Hello and welcome to the first digitized copy of the Chickalooke Times Free Press. This newspaper has been in publication since our town's founding in 1822, but until now its circulation has been limited to the quirky townsfolk of Chickalooke, many of whom you've already met. My name is Stumpy Winslow, and I'm the head editor here at the Chickalooke Times Free Press. I also run the mailroom, do all the electrical work, take care of payroll, and make the best darn catfish you've ever had in your life. I don't give a hoot what Mary Ann says. In accordance with the fact that you are all new to this paper, I thought it best to walk you through how it normally goes. That is, if you can consider anything in Chickalooke normal. The front page is, of course, reserved for our most important story. In that regard, we are no different from any other paper you've ever read. The difference, however, is that here in Chickalooke, we place a great deal of importance on things that other towns might deem silly, trite, or downright nonsense. Those people are well within their rights to have that opinion, but if they think anyone in Chickalooke gives a rat's hind end about what other people think of us, well, they got some learning to be had. One of our most popular front page stories was in a July edition in 1967. A young couple named Walt and Sylvia were to be married down at the courthouse, and to say things didn't quite go as planned would be an understatement. Walt and Sylvia had decided to forego the traditional wedding as a means to cut down on their spending so they could instead put a down payment on a little cottage just off Hootie Holler Road. Truth told, it was more Sylvia's decision than anything. To this day, she still rules that relationship with an iron fist, and while gender norms are becoming antiquity in our modern times, Sylvia was considered an outlier and even a pioneer back in 1960s Chickalooke. Everything had been arranged, and they were set to honor their commitment to one another in front of Judge Leroy Askew on the Saturday during Chickalooke's bye week. If only they knew what events that bye week would set into motion. On a typical Chickalooke Friday night in the fall, the entire town could be found at Ronnie Neal Memorial Stadium cheering on their beloved Spartans. Most people would even skip dinner because the concession stand food was much better than a lot of the restaurants at the time. That ain't to say that Chickalooke was slim pickings when it came to food, it's just that Miss Geraldine Eller took a great deal of pride in what she served during football games. It may not be true, but as far as we know, she is the first person to have the wonderful thought that hot dog buns should be buttered and toasted. Oh, as I sit here writing this, I can still taste the first one I ever had, and I still weep for the late Geraldine Eller's memory. I apologize for getting sidetracked. You'll, you'll grow to know that it's something I can't help no matter how hard I try or how many letters you all write in begging me to stop. I am the way God made me, and I ask that you respect it. Anyways, on this particular Friday night, there was no ball game to keep some of the more, shall we say, outgoing citizens of Chickalooke occupied, and thus they had to seek their entertainment elsewhere. Daryl Perkins, brother to the pastor at that time, decided to take matters into his own hands and throw a party. A hootenanny, I believe he called it. Chickalooke at the time was a dry city. Matter of fact, all of Kane County was dry, so there was only so much you could do. The boys in town would all take turns driving over state lines to get some hooch, and always more than they needed in case of an emergency. There were also a few operations around town where you could do your business local, if you know what I mean, but they only made the one flavor and many folks hadn't quite acquired the taste for diesel fuel. 
Well, having a surplus of beer that he'd stored in old milk bottles, Daryl sent word that everyone was to gather behind his old barn where there would be a pickin' and a singin' and plenty of extra hay bales in case anyone needed to stay the night and sleep it off. And so the party commenced and everyone was having a gay old time. The old men were gathered round the fire telling the same old stories they always tell when they're leaning on the fence in front of the field watching the Spartans play, but in this scenario, no one was mad at their level of intoxication. About an hour in, Daryl was up on top of the barn completely naked and pretending to be a weather vane. I'll spare you most of the graphic details, but I will say he was pointing east. From his vantage point in the redneck crow's nest, he could see red and blue lights cresting over the hill and heading his direction. Holy cow, y'all put your clothes on and run! The po-fuzz is a-coming! Daryl shouted as he was already a foot in the air having jumped off the barn roof. The crowd was scattered and a nervous wreck. They were all well of age, but Willie Johnson, the chief of police at the time, had a zero-tolerance policy on booze in the city. No one would ever say it to his face, but we all know it was because a carnival barker came through town and got Willie's wife so rum-drunk that she left home and joined the circus. Say what you will about Daryl Perkins, and Lord, I could say a lot, but he is actually a natural-born leader in times of duress, and it seems the drunker he is, the better. Daryl let out one of them whistles that requires some of your fingers and got everyone on the same page. Daryl knew a shortcut through his backwoods that led into town, and if they all hurried, they could be in his uncle's hardware store with the curtains drawn before the police even knew they were gone. Well, unlike many a plan executed in the town of Chickaluki, this was actually a success. Cramped as they were, everyone from the party was safe and sound inside Rusty's tool shed, and all the police decided to call it a night and go home. I bet you're wondering what all this has to do with Sheila and Walt's wedding, don't you? Well, I promise I'm getting there. Once they had settled down and calmed their nerves, knowing the law wasn't after them anymore, someone trying to find the bathroom at Rusty's stumbled onto a supply closet with jugs of moonshine as far as the eye could see. And best of all, it was apple pie moonshine. Turns out Rusty had been hoarding all the good stuff for himself. Having never tried anything so delicious, the townsfolk of Chickaluki started swallowing that moonshine like it was creek water. Before you knew it, a game of strip twister was being played, and we all saw a bit more of Gertrude Williams than we'd ever bargained for. Soon, night turned to morning, and morning turned into a very hazy, throbbingly painful afternoon for the citizens of Chickaluki. Walt and Sylvia had made their way to the courthouse, having chosen to abstain from the events of the prior evening so that they could start their new life together devoid of bloodshot eyes. But there was someone who didn't think ahead as Miss Sylvia had, someone who was just as crucial to the wedding as the bride and groom, Judge Leroy Askew. Unluckily for Judge Askew, Miss Sylvia found him hunched over in the broom closet down at Rusty's with lipstick on his collar and a cigar burn right above his nipple. I wasn't there at the time, but from what I'm told, after she got through with him, that cigar burn didn't seem that bad. Liquor laws were finally relaxed all over Kane County in the mid-90s, and Chickaluki wasted no time in setting up their very first tavern. The prospective owners were going back and forth on where they should build it, but then something funny happened. Old man Rusty Perkins finally retired, and his family had no interest in continuing on in the hardware business. 
Rusty decided to give them a sweetheart deal on the building under the condition that he got free drinks for the rest of his life and in the event of his death, his stool would be bronzed and remain in place to honor his memory. The deal was accepted and the townsfolk could now drink legally where they had once hid for cover all those years ago. And in case you were wondering, Miss Sylvia is still bossing Walt around over on Hootie Holler Road. Along with our front page news, we are also lucky enough here in Chickalookie to have one of the country's premier film critics grace our little publication with her talent and opinions. Tasha, or as she is referred to during Pastor Petey's sermon, Sister Tasha, is the Chickalookie Times Free Press senior film correspondent, giving reviews on the films that make us feel good, and also films that often came out quite a while ago. Tasha is like Siskel and Ebert without the thumbs, or Gene Shalit if he was easy to look at. Pardon me, I was asked to clarify something. Sister Sheila does have thumbs, she just doesn't use them in her judgment of cinema. Here's Sister Tasha now with a review of a Thanksgiving classic. Hello, you beautiful citizens of Chickalookie. This is Sister Tasha, and I'm coming to you live from Chick Studios in beautiful Chickalookie, sitting in my cozy cinematic corner, and I am bringing you the inaugural episode of Sister Tasha's Take on Films. Let's get into it as I explore one of my absolute favorite holiday movies. It doesn't matter what holiday, what time of year, I will throw this movie on, cozy up, and it feels like a warm hug. So this movie is Home for the Holidays, aptly named. It was released on November 3rd, 1995, and the director was the incredible Jodie Foster. This is a murderer's row of actors that lead up this film. We've got Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., the icon and Bancroft, Charles Durning as the amazing dad. He just plays it to the hilt. And the always handsome Dylan McDermott at his peak Dylanness. We also get to see Claire Danes early on in the film and early on in her career. So she's an absolute murderer's row of actors. Um, one of the best things about this movie is that it is very true to life. So I'm going to do a little summary and then we'll get into my take on it. This true to life holiday movie follows the story of Claudia Larson, played by Holly Hunter, as her world falls apart during a trip home for Thanksgiving with her wacky, chaotic, dysfunctional family in suburban Maryland. Before she even gets to the airport, Claudia loses her job desperately makes out with her former boss and then reluctantly leaves as her teenage daughter Kit, played by Danes, tells her, quite matter-of-factly, that she's going to be losing her virginity over the weekend. This does not phase Claudia. She takes everything in stride and she takes off for her parents' home only to find that Adele and Henry are truly entrenched in their old ways while aging and becoming more and more disillusioned by life. Despite it all, the family sticks together through the usual ups and downs of a holiday weekend, including the unexpected arrival of Tommy, 
Claudia's eccentric younger brother, played by Robert Downey Jr., and his fantastically handsome business partner, Mr. Leo Fish, played by Dylan McDermott. The movie crescendos during a Thanksgiving dinner moment when a turkey-cutting mishap leaves middle child and control freak Joanne covered in turkey drippings and sobbing at the absurdity of her family dynamic. In the end, Claudia finds an unexpected connection with Leo after realizing he is not Tommy's new boyfriend and returns home with a new perspective on life and possibly a new love interest. Okay, let's get down to business. Here's Sister Tasha's take on it. That's me. Everyone knows Hocus Pocus is the greatest Halloween movie of all time. And of course, there are multitudes of Christmas movies that vie for our affections. But that leaves Thanksgiving cold and alone in the cinematic universe sandwiched between the two. Sort of like a dark moon of Neptune, so to speak. Because Thanksgiving clearly needs some love, Home for the Holidays holds a special place in my heart and our family's holiday traditions. We aren't a Hallmark family. We fight too much, love too hard, and cling too tightly to our cynicism for that crap. We need good old-fashioned dysfunction with a side of mashed potatoes to warm our hearts. There's a certain beauty in the sheer chaos and anxiety of the biggest eating day of the year. Thanksgiving must be celebrated and revered for the horrible, wonderful, delicious gathering that it truly is. And this movie does just that. It was my mom who made me watch this movie for the first time. She was always a fan of Jodie Foster and her excitement for the craft of filmmaking made an impression on my young teenage mind. I remembered she'd point out the improv nuance and universal family themes since there's just about every phase of a family's life cycle represented in this film. We watched it so many times we could recite lines on cue and we would always laugh hysterically when crazy Aunt Gladdie rips a massive fart in a silent car and then acts like nothing happened. It's worth watching just for that, honestly. Overall, this is a quintessential 90s movie with an all-star cast that has aged like a fine wine decanted into a mason jar on the spare card table of life. I think we've all had to sit there at some point. There's a warm nostalgia and classic holiday feeling that permeates the film no matter what generation you're from, and I think that's why it's had such a lasting appeal for our family. The overarching beauty of this movie is that it has a casual, improvised flow that mirrors that typical holiday weekend energy of a family who's gone their separate ways and then comes together for a brief moment to sit at the same table and gorge themselves on traditions, even if those traditions aren't so great. The dialogue never feels forced or overly saccharine and even can be hard to follow at times, which is why I've had to watch it multiple times and every time I do, I see something new. It flows the way a real conversation does, and that's likely because the cast improvised many of their lines. Perhaps that why we, that's why we get real gems, such as when Adele says, I'm giving thanks that we don't have to go through this for another year, except we do, because those bastards went and put Christmas right in the middle just to punish us. Bancroft as Adele Larson really stands out among a stellar cast with her incredible performance as an aging housewife contemplating her life and relationships. She shows up as the many facets that make up a quintessential mom, from endearing nag to cheerful hostess, all while smoking a very long cigarette 
that honestly should have its own IMDb page for its supporting actor work. Bancroft was an incredible actress, and the movie is worth seeing just for her and Gladys' fart scene. Holly Hunter as Claudia anchors the film as the main character, but she never really feels like the only plotline. Hunter delivers a quietly quirky performance that all of the other characters seem to float and dance around, intersecting in her calm orbit as she observes and accepts everything around her. She just floats, as Kit often reminds her to do, something they learned on their vacation together, watching the fish and floating along in peace. The only time she's truly animated is when she hears her brother Tommy has a secret that she doesn't know about, and she's worried he may have broken up with his longtime partner Jack, who she adores. It's a testament to her vulnerability and closeness with her brother that gives the whole movie an underscore of warmth. Robert Downey Jr. plays the artsy, eccentric, and gay Tommy perfectly. His chemistry with Claudia is endearing and jovial, even in tense scenes, and it's clear he keeps her sane while she loves him unconditionally, a type of bond we all have with at least one person. Throughout the movie, there are endearing flashback scenes to each character interacting with their new family or chosen family in fun and happy moments. These are a stark juxtaposition to the frazzled holiday dynamic of the original core Larson family. It's almost as if Jodie Foster was showing us how we all have multiple facets and faces throughout our lives with different people. When we go out on our own and leave the nest we were raised in, we begin to build our own realities and new family units to suit our sensibilities and needs. Under the surface, this movie explores how it might be a challenge to return to your roots, but that's okay, because perhaps we've created a new universe where our true spirits are allowed to shine, a family of our own creation where we can nurture our loved ones the best way we know how. Because that's all anyone is trying to do in this life. Do their best. So please, don't shun where you came from, since it made you who you are today. So, as you visit with friends, family, and loved ones this Thanksgiving, please remember that where you came from will always live in you, and where you're going is what you make it. Or, maybe it's just another day to eat too much, and Claudia said it best. Nobody means what they say on Thanksgiving, Mom. You know that. That's what the day is supposed to be all about, right? Torture. This is Sister Tasha signing off from our first episode of Tasha Takes on Movies. Come back around to Chickalookie City Limits so that we can keep doing this and having fun as we head into a festive holiday season. More to come. See you soon. In case you were wondering, we stay away from national politics in the Chickalookie Times Free Press. It's not that we don't think it's important, it's just that if you want insight on things like that, you probably aren't coming here to get it. Besides, as far as most people in Chickalookie are concerned, everyone in Washington on either side can kick rocks. We don't wish no eels on them, of course, we just, well, we can't stand the hypocrisy. Both sides drone on and on about how their opposition is unfit to lead, wholly unqualified, and downright incompetent. Yet, in the same breath, they'll tell you that they are secretly controlling the world through an underground cabal they've orchestrated. 
Seems to us that only one of those accusations could be true, but hell, what do we know? In the grand scheme of things, we are just a small, meaningless town, even though we do hold the world's record for largest non-commercial squash. So, there you have it. That's what the Chickalooky Times Free Press is all about. We don't talk about the weather because you can figure that out by going outside. Plus, if it's anything serious, we figure Al Roker pretty well has it covered. We do have some gossip and sports columnists, but we have given them the week off seeing as how it's Thanksgiving and all. Speaking of Thanksgiving, we have decided to redact the obituary section in our introduction to you all because we figured you'd have all the depression you could handle hanging out with your family this week. Y'all try and have a good turkey day, won't you? And if you need some wise words to get you through, Pastor Petey has you covered in this past Sunday's sermon. From all of us here at the Chickalooky Times Free Press, happy Thanksgiving, and may your enemies' turkeys be as dry as a cartoon from the New Yorker. Hey, y'all, we really appreciate you being here, but especially those who pay their $5 a month dues to be an official citizen of Chickalooky. For those who don't, we still appreciate you being here, of course, and if you would like to support the program in other ways, we are happy to announce our new merch store, which can be found at CoreyShirts.com, the home of official Chickalooky merchandise. Y'all have a great Thanksgiving, and remember to tell your friends that Chickalooky is the place to be. Skew!